we're going to get going into what we're talking about. We began um, last Sunday, and we're continuing this Sunday. Um, and our, our sermon series for the start of the year, it's called Soul Detox. Uh, it seems like January is the time of the year for kind of addressing where you're at. Um, oftentimes physically as well as emotionally, mentally. Uh, not surprising, lots of people do these kinds of detoxes or new fitness or exercise regimes or, or try to slim down their ways of life or some of the things that are in their lives. Um, the latest one, it seems, that has kind of captured the kind of zeitgeisty moment is the idea of Veganuary. Is anybody practicing this thing? Are any of you just vegans anyway? You might be. Um, you're, uh, you're kind of sorting out the world for the rest of us. Um, I did say to Erin the other day, I found a, a nice recipe, I know it's not vegan, for um, cauliflower cheese lasagna. And um, it looked really, really nice. And Erin looked at me and she was like, are you my husband? Because you know there's no meat in that, right? And, uh, and I said, I, I know, I know. I'm turning over a new leaf. I'm making small steps, very small steps. I need a lot of cheese in my cauliflower cheese. But uh, anyhow, spinach, okay, good, good. We need some iron as well, yeah, yeah, quite right. Um, of course, this time of the year, it's time of the year. I, 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 I normally go to the gym, and I sometimes share stories of my general gym inadequacy, because um, that's really where I'm at. I go with a great deal of heart and, and, a, and a lot of intent, not a lot of skill. Um, you know, we just keep persevering. And, and I had a few weeks off over Christmas and New Year um, because it's just a busy time, isn't it? And so I didn't go. I'm looking around the room, seeing a few of you. You're like, I never give myself time off. I'm there every day. My body is a temple. What's wrong with you, Pastor Greg? Uh, well, you know, I am as I am. And I had a few weeks off. And I went back um, this past week. And, um, and I've got pretty much a routine going because I'm a person of routine. Is there anyone else here who likes routine? Yeah, you like it just to be so. I do exactly the same thing every time. And I have to work on my facial expressions because if I get up off one thing and I look over and someone's on my next thing, it's like, what are you doing? Don't you know it's my routine? What are you doing on my stuff? No, I have to work with myself. But uh, I do the same thing, the same thing. But I'd had a few weeks off. And so I go in and I, like, I go on the um, oh, cross trainer. I always forget the name of it. I got, in, I got it into my head because it, re, it reminded me of a little bit of, um, of toy, a play equipment that my kids have. I got all the words mixed up. And one of my kids, when they were little, they had this thing called an exosaucer, which is like an exercise thing. And so I call some of the gym equipment by children's toy names. Um, it's just how my head works. So I always think of it. But I do that. And, and I normally just go for 20 minutes straight. And I really kind of push it as much as I possibly can. And I did it. And, and the numbers weren't ticking over in the usual fashion. And so I'm looking at it thinking, I think the machine's broken. I'm not getting the same kind of distance here. I'm not kind of working the same, and I'm totally broken. And so I just walk away from that disappointed. I go over and I start doing, um, I normally ask Christian what the names of these machines are. Um, what's the one where you do that? You pull, oh, the shoulder press, okay. Yeah, that's the one where you go up, isn't it? What's the one where you pull down? Okay, all right, okay. Well, I was doing these things. A lateral pull down. Sounds very amazing, doesn't it? It doesn't look amazing when I'm doing it. Uh, but, uh, and I'm on it, and I, I, I select the, um, the weight thing um, as per normal. I pull it down, I look down and think, I think I've got it wrong. This feels a lot more uh, intense than usual. And, uh, but I carried on anyway, and I went a couple times during the week, and I've discovered I ache. I just ache. 
and my shoulders ache and my neck aches and my back aches and my chest aches and my arm aches. My arm, my arms, I have two of them. Even my armpits ache. Did anyone know that your armpits could ache? Does anybody know this? Okay, your, your armpits can ache. I've never ached in the armpit before. I never want to again. Um, it's unpleasant, but I just thought I could just do it. But my body has told me, sorry, Greg, you know, you need to kind of you know, maintain these things. I thought I was maintaining it. I sat on my couch on New Year's Day and I watched World's Strongest Man. I watched it. That was how I was maintaining my exercise regime. Does anyone else watch World's Strongest Man? Don't you? I love it. It's absolutely fantastic. But uh, I, my body was obviously not in tune with this. That training plan of watching amazing, huge human beings, not quite enough. I could, my body wasn't, even some of those world's strongest men, if you watched it, there was a guy from Georgia. He was immense, absolutely immense. And there was one thing where they had, I loved it, they called it a circus weight. It, it looked like a circus weight, you know, with those big kind of dome bits on the end. And he was hoisting it up above his head, and then something went. So something went in the poor guy. And it was all he could do was not to drop it on his own head. But it, oh, it was, it doesn't matter how big you are, Sometimes our bodies just can't bear the weight, just can't bear the load. Doesn't matter how small and inadequate you are, our bodies can't bear the weight, can't bear that. We know this to be true. And yet sometimes we fool ourselves into thinking that in every other aspect of our lives, we can load weight upon ourselves emotionally, mentally, the weight of time, the weight of burdens, of expectations, the weight of our past, of our present, the weight of our future. And somehow we think that our soul, which is who we really are, can continue to take more and more and more. Let me tell you, some of your souls, they're looking a bit like Georgian bodybuilders. You know, they were doing pretty well, but something's going to give. And you know how this can be. Sometimes the weights come crashing down on your head, hasn't it? And you know, in life, sometimes we haven't been able to avoid some of the things, the burdens that we've been putting upon our souls. It's why we're talking about the need for us not only to consider our bodies, which is a good thing to do, but to consider our souls. The fundamental understanding that we have for, for all this sermon series is, is that we're not, we're not a body with a soul, as though the soul is some sort of add-on or some sort of thing that we'll think about when we get round to it. Rather, it's the other way around. We are fundamentally a soul. This is the eternal dimension of you. It will never pass away. And the Bible teaches us very clearly that the body we have now is, as it were, like an earthly tent. It's a, it's a residence for your soul. We know scripturally that when Jesus comes again, makes all things new, there's, there's this wonderful idea of the resurrection, this reality that is incredible. Bodies are precious. But what remains through it all is your soul. So we want to flip things on, it, on their heads. We look in the mirror most days. We see your body. How about your soul? What are we doing to make sure we're looking, regarding recognizing that fundamentally we're a soul with a body and not the other way around. That's our fundamental thought and it is incredibly important for us because so many of us, whether you're a follower of Jesus, whether you're thinking about being a follower of Jesus, look, whether you've been a follower of Jesus for 40 or 80 years, so many of us, we don't really take proper care for our souls. We don't have proper regard for the nature of our souls and how God would have us 
live. As I was preparing this, and again, I want to point you to some wonderful resources. A lot of what we're talking about, it's, it's based upon a book by a pastor from the States called Craig Grishel, and he wrote a book called Soul Detox. I would recommend it to you all um, to get it. Again, via our church prayer line. We've also linked you to um, a Bible reading plan. And so if you're not part of the prayer line, you need to get yourself on the church prayer line. Get the link so that you can join in. It's been wonderful to see this past week so many of you putting your comments on day by day as to what you're getting out of the scriptures through this soul detox plan. So we're indebted to Craig Grishel. And he shared... Um, as he was unpacking these thoughts about a study he'd read. I think it was over in the States, but the culture's not too different here. And it was a study that said that, that current generations have higher and higher percentages of people who deal with a constant low-grade depression. Now, it's not so much talking about um, deep clinical depressions, which are very particular and very important issues, of course, but more talking about people who live all the time constantly with a heaviness of the soul. The article said that for a lot of people, they can't even put their finger on it. And maybe there's nothing that's really, really wrong. But equally, they couldn't really say that anything was really right either. And these generations of folks, which many of us are a part and seems to be increasing, have so much more to live with, so many great things in society and in their circumstances, and yet there is a soul dissatisfaction, a longing for more. Oftentimes, the things that people are lacking aren't so much material, they're things like hope and faith. There's not a great deal of optimism about. It seems like so many folks are simply existing and not really feeling like their lives matter or they're able to perhaps make a contribution. And so then there comes a heaviness of the soul. That's what we're talking about. Last week we talked about the restless soul. We do have our sermons available via podcast, so you can catch up on that. But today we're talking about the heavy soul. And whilst we might see these things increasing in society, truth is, it's nothing new. The Bible teaches us of this exact same thing. Psalm 42 and verse 5 The psalmist there is David writing about this human experience. And he asked himself, he asked his soul a question. You can have a conversation with your own soul. And he said to his own soul, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? If you've got your notes, you can fill in some of the blanks as we go along because that's some of the stuff that we're looking at there. Why? Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Why are you heavy? Why are you filled with that sense of uneasiness, of dissatisfaction, of worry, of anxiety, of these things that just seem to weigh and weigh and weigh and they nag and nag and just can't shift it? And we want to get to the bottom of that question today. And and we truly believe that the Bible can help us in this because the Bible is the word of a God who loves us, for us. The Bible will tell us literally everything we need to know, not only about who God is, but about who we are. 
and how our lives are made to flourish in him. And so we're going to unpack some things today that hopefully will be encouraging to us. I would encourage you, if you get something from today, think, who can I share this with? Who do I know who needs to know some more? And you know, maybe you'll want to bring them along next week as we continue in this series. Well, what we're going to see is there are, there are three main reasons why folks wrestle with the heaviness of the soul. Three main reasons. The first one is many people have heavy souls because of hurts from the past. Many, many folks have been hurt by circumstances, by people, by, by things that have happened in their lives and they still come with them from their past. Again, the Bible speaks to this. The truth of the matter is human nature, we're pretty varied, but we share a lot that's really similar. And, and even these ancient texts, they're written by people, just like you and me, who wrestle with these exact same things, but invited God's grace in, in a book of the Bible called Lamentations. Do you get an idea of what that book might be about? Uh, it's not the happiest book all the way through, but then there are these shards of beautiful light that come into the, into the gloom. But th this book, Lamentations, is honest about the human condition. And in chapter 3 of Lamentations, verses 19, 20 and onwards, um, the writer there, Jeremiah, he reflects upon the pain from the past. He said this, he said, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. Has anyone ever felt like that? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hands if you don't want to. Everyone's like, am I allowed to admit to this in church? You can be honest, it's all right. We sometimes find ourselves there. And things that have happened in the past, we would like to leave them in the past. We don't always feel we can or we don't always know how to. As he looked back, Jeremiah, on those painful memories, he continues, you might be reading ahead, and he said, I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. My soul is downcast within me. Look, it's not to say that some of our experiences and pains and troubles won't have effects upon our bodies. They will. But actually, what we're saying is that these things, the effect upon our bodies comes from the effect upon our soul and not the other way around. If we were to understand how we can take care of our soul, and we would know blessing and health and strength in, in so many other areas of our lives. Now, I'm guessing amongst those of us who are gathered here today, um, that for some of us, if not many of us, there may well be a present heaviness that is based upon a past hurt. What might it be? Well, maybe a friend lied to us or let us down or Maybe somebody betrayed us. Maybe somebody even close. Maybe a spouse. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe an opportunity was snatched away. Maybe an unfairness came into your life. Maybe something was ahead of you, some opportunity or possibility, and, and for one reason or other you, you didn't take it, and you regret it. It lives with you. Maybe it's something that you did, something that you said, something that you did to somebody else, and it's still with you, a present heaviness based on a past hurt. Uh, what I'm going to suggest this morning, and I hope you're okay with this and you'll come with me, as we talk about these things, it's great to talk about them. It's great even to see ourselves in the pages of Scripture. But I would love for us today to be transparent. And actually not so much with one another, not so much with me, but with God. 
And I would love for you just to interact in some simple ways, nothing embarrassing, I promise. But just for us to say to God, yes. God, I want to be honest, not just with myself, I want to be honest with you. And I want to invite your grace into my life. So as we go through this, I'm just going to ask you just to acknowledge your life before God. Is that all right? Is that okay? And I think it'd be really, really helpful for us into opening up the ways in which God, the Holy Spirit, wants to minister his grace into our lives. So with this first thing, we've got present heaviness from past hurt. Not for me, but for yourself. Look, if anybody here, and you're, that's resonating with you, and you're saying, actually, yeah, I, I know something of that. Can we just be transparent before God? And in all sincerity, would you just raise a hand? Could you do that? Is that okay? And there's lots of us here. Look, you're not on your own. And present heaviness based on past hurts. We're saying to God, God, would you see me today? Would you recognize what's going on in my life? Look, it's not a surprise to him. He knows you. He loves you. But when we start to be honest with God, when we start to actually say to God, I do believe that you're my hope in these things, we're starting to open a door to something really good in our lives. We're going to talk about that in a moment, God's healing work. Present heaviness due to past hurt. What else might be going on in our lives? Well, our second um, thought is that for some of us, we may have a heaviness of the soul because of trouble in the present. There's that old song, isn't there, in there? You know, in, in our house, we have um, our kids are of an age where we need safety gates around the house. You know the things that you have at the top of the stairs, bottom of the stairs, or, or I, I sometimes think I might just put one on the lounge and I can go in the lounge and the kids can go elsewhere and it'll all be fun. No, is that wrong? Yeah, I'm, a couple of parents are thumbs upping to me. They're like, we feel your pain. Um, no, it's not real pain. They're beautiful kids. But you need safety gates. Um, but they, they tend to be made out of metal. And they're like these white bars, which unfortunately gives them a little bit of the air of the prison. Um, I'm not sure whether I want to be suggesting this to my children, but there you go. Uh, but they seem to have tacked onto this already because sometimes they'll have like a cup in their hands and they'll just rattle it along the, the bars. And you know the song is like, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. That's, it's, that's the kind of image, isn't it? And it's like, you know, my dad's imprisoned me. Nobody knows. And it's like, oh, I'm being silly. But the truth of the matter is, some of us, we know, we know not just, it's not a joke for us. There's a reality, isn't there? There's trouble in our present. There's things that press in and press down on us. And they give us a heaviness of the soul. Again, and it doesn't get much more ancient than this, but it's so true to our reality. Um, a guy in the Bible named Job, he described this really, really well. And in, in, in the book that tells his story, Job chapter 4 and verse 5, it's there on your sheet. He, he said, but now trouble comes to you. It's not yesterday. It's not tomorrow. Well, you know, they can worry about themselves. We, we'll talk about them separately. But now trouble comes to you. And some of you, I think you're relating to that. Because of the current trouble, you may be discouraged. That's how Job describes it, discouraged. It's quite visceral. He says, it strikes you and you are dismayed. This is not just a, an intellectual proposition. This is not just, oh, you know, here's the trouble and now I'm going to go about my... This hits and hurts. Current trouble. Maybe there's something happening for you in the here and now, and the truth is you didn't see it coming. 
It's blindsided. You come out of left field and you're like, well, I didn't plan for this. I don't want this. How has this come into my life? I didn't do anything to deserve this. Does anybody feel the unfairness of your circumstances? Maybe you do. You're like, well, where did this come from? It doesn't change it. How we feel about the circumstances may not change it, but rather we just sense the weight of it and the weariness of it. And we can perhaps sustain some weight for a while, but after a a while our souls, they get weary with the burden of what is present in our lives. Now again, I want to invite us to just be really open and honest before God. We talked about the things of the past that are bringing a heaviness in the present. But if that's you this morning, and and actually you're saying there's something in my current circumstances, there's something of today or of this season that is burdening or wearying me, can we be honest before God? Is there anybody and you want to say, yeah, that really resonates with me. There's something in my today. That's really good. And again, there's, there's loads of us. I want to encourage you here today. You might have come and you might be thinking, I'm unusual. I'm strange. I'm the only one. You're not. You are so not. There's so many of us who might be experiencing these burdens. And in the things of the present, we're saying to God, you see my today. Please, God, would you meet me here today? And thirdly, there's another reason. Uh, Some of you, I know you're pretty smart cookies. We've talked about the past. We've talked about the present. You may have an idea where we're going with this. Some of us, we, we know a heaviness of soul Not because we truthfully know the future, none of us can, but because we have an anxiety about the future. We're worried and concerned and even eaten up about what might be. We're wondering how we're going to make it through what is to come. It might just be the simple, ordinary things of life. We might be thinking, well, well, actually, I've got a sense bills are still going to come. (laughs) What do they say? There are two things that are certain in life, death and taxes. Yeah, I, uh, the, just the other day, um, some post was misdelivered to my house. I didn't even look at it, but it was for our next door neighbor. I just took it round to him and he took it off me. He's like, oh, thanks, it's from the HMRC. Could you not have kept it? Or just, you know, burnt it and not told me. But uh, if you're not sure, that's, that's the tax authorities. But, uh, and, uh, you know, we just, we know these things are going to come down the tracks. But you might think, well, they're going to come and I don't know how I'm going to pay those things. I don't know how when debt seems to go up and my bank balance seems to go down all the time. How is it going to be? How am I going to get everything done in my life? You know, the obligations and expectations, they never seem to go down. They always seem to go up. There's always just seems to be a bit more and a bit more and a bit more and a bit more and a bit more. Anxiety about what is to come. Maybe you you just can't shake a sense of feeling about the, the Maybe the state of the world. What happens if there's more financial uncertainty in the world? What happens if the economy stutters? If, if jobs start to become insecure? What about these things down the tracks? You know, the current um, generation that's, that's growing up, um, Gen Z, millennials, and, 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 and on from that, um, you know, they... they have lived in a world where really their their consciousness, their understanding has been shaped by nothing really other than uncertain economies and a world that's been wrestling with the the horrors of terrorism and then wars trying to deal with these things. These are are young people who've been growing up since since 9-11. 
and things like that. And they haven't really known a world where there hasn't been the uncertainty of the possibility of, of terrorist atrocities or a world where uh, there isn't war going on or a world that hasn't had a credit crunch. And you, know, you look at teenagers and, and young adults and this is the world that they live in. And it's not surprising, is it, then, that the culture reflects that sense of anxiety about the future. And there are so many dystopian and, and dark novels and film series and things that, that look to the future, and it's so uncertain, so, so, so not sure how it's going to be. I don't know, maybe these things, they're, they're part of your experience, too. I'm looking around the room, and, uh, you know, I love you, but not many of you are millennials. I, I, <laughs> can I say that? I'm allowed to make jokes about your age, am I not? No? Okay. Uh, we're going to move on. Um, but you know, these, things, these things of our culture, our society, they do infect us. And our anxieties can grow about the world in which we are living. Again, look, this is nothing new. I want to suggest here that in our hurts of the past, the weight of the present, even in the anxieties of the future, not only does the Bible speak into our reality... But there is one who has come into our reality, Jesus Christ. God himself has come into the world of his creation so that he might fully experience what it is to be a human and yet he might make all of these things new. He might save and heal and make whole and redeem. And I want to suggest to you that Jesus himself actually entered into the hurts and the woundedness and the weariness of our world more even than any of us. The Bible talks about a particular moment. It's in all of the gospel accounts, but we, we can find it in Mark chapter 14. And verses 33 to 34, Jesus is there and he's, he's looking ahead to, to the work that he has come to do. He's going to go to the cross. He's going to pay for our sins. He's going to be broken so that we might be healed. He's going to die so that we might live. He's looking at the horror of it. He knows this is coming. And in the moment of the horror of these things, in the anguish of his soul, he cries out to God. And the Bible describes it. And he says, Jesus began to be deeply distressed and troubled. God's not a robot. He's not just sailing through everything without any kind of connection with our, our woundedness or our weariness. God enters into the fullness of this broken world, of our broken state. And in this, he knows and experiences the depth of distress and trouble. What did Jesus say about this? He said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He's looking ahead. He knows what's coming. And he feels the pain of it. Jesus feels your pain. Because he's felt all pain. All pain. And he's felt it, not only so that he might deal with it, which wondrously he has done, but he's felt it so that he can identify with you. Your anxieties, your weariness, and the weight of it all. No. Yeah. Maybe some of us here today, and we're, uh, we're saying, actually, yeah, that, that's where I'm at. I can't shake this anxiety about what's to come. I can't stop the worry about tomorrow. I go to bed each night, I close my eyes, and my mind is just full of the things that, truth is, I don't really know what they are. I don't know that I can control them. If I'm honest, I know that I can't change the future, but I'm I'm anxious. 
and weary. And again, we want to invite the grace of God. Is there anyone here today? And you're saying, that's me. It's about tomorrow. If that's you, just raise your hand. It's a good thing to do. And to say, God, would you meet me in these places? Okay. As again, there's loads of us here today. Look, so many of us, you can put your hands down. That's fine. We've, we've identified, we're saying, yes, there are things of my past that are giving me heaviness in the present. There's the weight of today that is, is just so burdensome that I don't know how to cope. Or there are things in the future, I don't even know what they might be. But the anxiety is troubling me. Look, we can identify sometimes what the problem is. But there's a big shift when it comes to thinking about what is our hope? What is the solution? You know, I, if I'm unwell, I, I might know the symptoms in my body, but I'm no doctor. I don't know how to fix them. There's something needs to be done. I know that I need help. You know, I've mentioned it before, but for some time, I've had this kind of low-grade ache in my hip. And, um, and because I'm a bloke, I, I do nothing about it at all. Can I, uh, yeah, it's just it's the way that blokes are. With you know, If something goes wrong in our bodies, we're like, nope, I think I'm just be fine. Um, and so I just kind of ignored it for an awful long time. And, uh, and there it is. And sometimes it gets worse. Sometimes it's better. And sometimes worse. In the end, I'm like, okay, well, I'll go to the doctor and, um, and so on and so on. And, and they check me out. And I know some, I can tell you love me so much, you're a bit worried on my behalf. I can see that in your eyes. Don't worry. They've, they've checked me out. And I think I'm all right. Um, but there is this kind of thing there. And they think it's some sort of muscle thing maybe or a you know, whatever. And in the end, they, 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 they prescribed, well, they gave me some exercises to do, which again, being a bloke, I'm a bit like, I do it from time to time. I'm terrible. Would somebody keep me accountable? Can I get an accountability partner this morning? All right, okay. Uh, there's too many volunteers, actually, for that. Um, <laughs> leave me alone. No, don't. Um, but eventually, they prescribed for me a short course of Pilates. Don't laugh. Um, but uh, have, you, have any of you done Pilates? This is like full-on stuff, isn't it? And then, of course, there's the, there's the bloke in me. It's like, well, I go to the gym. I'm all right. And then, and then I go in, and there's this little dot of a lady, skinny as anything. There's nothing to her. And she starts doing these things, and then she's telling you to do these things. And it's all you can do not to, like, totally lose control of your limbs. And you're kind of doing all these holding things and moving things and, and these, like, little bobbing up and down things and, and, and it's like I've got no control of my body whatsoever and um, it's really quite distressing and yet within it I'm kind of feeling oh actually this is really rather good this is really excellent for me I can kind of feel the sense of it so I have to decide now do I want to kind of take it further because it will probably really help me or do I just want to kind of be a bloke and just pretend like I'm fine you know help me um Sometimes we're just like that with our lives, aren't we? We can identify the problem. Truth of the matter is we just think, I'll just tough it out. Or we just think, well, it's not that bad. I'll, I'll just be fine. I'll just keep on keeping on. Uh, the Bible wants to teach us, I believe God wants to say to us today, it doesn't have to be that way. There is a way of hope for us. There's a way of freedom, the way of healing. There's a way of God stepping into our lives wonderfully. We mentioned um, a psalm just as we were getting, go earlier, getting going earlier. Psalm 42 verse, verse 5 we began with. And, and, and the psalmist David, he's identifying the problem. But I want you to read on with me a little bit because we start to move into where is our hope. 
He started off saying, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? But he doesn't just identify the problem. He then starts to preach to his soul. Last week, I got you to do this a little bit, to have a word with your soul, you know. And uh, it's a good thing to do. Have a word with who you really are, okay, and have a bit of a chat. Let's start to move something here. And he starts, David the psalmist starts to speak to his soul, and he says, put your hope in God. It's like, come on, crack on. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. And, and this is not just like an ordinary pull yourself together kind of pep talk. This is not a, a smack around the face and crack on. This, it is, it is a, an arresting moment. It is a something must be done. But the hope is fully and truly rooted in God. Speak to your soul. Put your hope in God. Because that's where hope lies. I will yet praise him. There's some faith, isn't there? This is how it will be because of who he is, because I can trust in him, because he's trustworthy, because he's always been trustworthy and he will be trustworthy. Now, I want to invite you, as this week goes ahead, I want you to invite you to start preaching to your soul. Can you do that? Did any of you think that you were a preacher? You're like, finally, someone's realized. No. Well, maybe you are. I don't know, but you're all preachers to your souls. I want you to give your souls the best preach you can possibly muster. Can you do this? I think some of you are going to be able to get a hold of this. You're going to preach to your soul so well that your soul is going to like get up at the end and want to do like a final closing song. And your soul will be like, right, okay, let's take up an offering. That was a good preach. Come on. And you're like, just like, let's get into the day. Um, would you give your soul a good preach? Would you do that? Start preaching to your soul these truths. Now, what are we going to be telling to our souls? It's all rooted in God. He's the answer. He is the one who relieves, lifts, heals the heaviness of our souls. Firstly, tell your soul to remember God's faithfulness in your past. Okay? Tell your soul to remember God's faithfulness in your past. Now, I mentioned already that tonight is, is probably our main gathering of the day. And all of those who've been part of our transformed communities are going to be coming. And we're going to be celebrating the goodness of God. And one thing we do each time we have these scattered Sundays is we, we share what we call testimonies. They're stories of the grace of God. And we say, God's been doing this. And God did this. And I thought it was going to be like that. But God then did this, which was so much better. And, and here's how what God's been doing. And not just in the moment, but it's been something that's been building week by week by week and month by month by month. We tell one another these stories because we recognize in them, God is faithful. Yeah, that was a good place for an amen. Would you turn to somebody next to you and say, God is faithful? Because they need to hear it. I tell you, they do. And you need to hear it as well. Uh, it'll be so encouraging to you. We tell one another these stories. Look, again, we looked in Lamentations chapter 3. And there, Jeremiah, he was re remembering the affliction, the wandering, the bitterness, the gall. His soul was heavy. But he starts to shift gears. He starts then to preach the truth to the weary soul. And he says, yet this I call to mind, Lamentations 3, and therefore I have hope. It doesn't just happen. Sometimes the goodness of God, it'll be suppressed or subdued within your thinking or your emotional life sometimes. But if you call it to mind, 
if you actively choose to remember, if you open up these scriptures and say, I want to be encouraged into how I can preach to my own soul, what does he say? This I call to mind, therefore I have hope. And in this chapter, he talks about the, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. What does he say? In this chapter, he says, his compassions never fail. His mercies never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. These are the things that he's starting to preach to his own soul and preach through the scriptures to us. These are the things that we can grab a hold of and say, yes, God has been good. Look. If you've been walking with Jesus for any time at all, you know that when you called out to him to save you and make you new, did he do it? Did he do it? Oh, three of us are saved. Anybody else saved here this morning? Did Jesus save you? Did he, was he faithful to his word? Yes, of course he was. As you've been kind of surrendering different parts of your life and saying, God, would you help me here? Would you heal me here? Would you do this in my life? Would you enable me to look more like Jesus? Has he done that for anybody? Yeah, he has. He's been faithful in your past. Have there been times when you've needed, when you've had lack, when you've been hurting, when you've been helpless, when you've been hopeless? Has God met you in those moments? Yes, he has. Remind yourself of what God has done in your life past. Remind yourselves of the times you were reading in the scriptures and and, and a verse just really popped out at you and you know that God somehow he wove things together so that day, that moment you'd read that thing and the spirit of God would say here I am. Here's your hope. Here's your healing. That time that you put on some worship music or you were in church and and the, the guys they picked a song and there it came out and you were like Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's what I needed. And the truth of the words rooted in Scripture, that it just resonated with you. Those times that you were just listening to others speak about the grace and the goodness of God in your transformed communities, here in a gathering, as we open up the Scriptures, and you were like, oh, God, you're good. Look back. Remember what God has done in your life. He is faithful. Preach it to your soul. Preach it to your soul. Preach it to you. I have to be honest with you. I seem like such a sunny person, I know. Um, but I have a tendency towards, you know, being a little bit gloomy. I have to be honest. It's a, I guess it's a little bit of how I'm wired. But I have to remind myself, God has been good to you, Greg. I, you know, I, I kind of give myself a little bit of a pass. I sometimes say, well, it's, you're a bit of a kind of tight one kind of guy, Greg. You really want things to be just so. You really want everything to be come together and you get a bit gloomy when it doesn't. I think I'm actually giving myself an excuse there, but that's how I tell myself. But when I feel a little gloomy, I remind myself, hang on, Greg. What has God done in your life? I remember the times that he's blessed me over and over again. I consider how it was that I I first knew the reality, the truth of the gospel. I consider that moment when I first felt that the the Spirit of God fill me in a new way. I consider the the day of my baptism, I can remember it because I was a really awkward teenager and uh, I I, kind of made a mess of it in certain ways in my mind. But it helps it to be memorable and I remember these things. I remember the way that God called me into ministry in Birkenhead. And he called me all the way from the Pacific Ocean to Birkenhead. You can ask me about that story another time. I thank God for the way that when I wanted to have a good and a godly wife, he brought my wife all the way from Vancouver via Geneva to be here. 
in Birkenhead, which I know you always hear it in the same vein, don't you? Vancouver, Geneva, Birkenhead, it all fits together. And, um, and he, he weaves these things together and he just does these things because it's easy to him. I can ask my wife whether she feels the same way, but yeah, I know, I'm sure she does. God weaves these things together and, he, and just the ordinary things of life. Just the simple thing. It doesn't have to be the grand things. Just the day-to-day things. Those moments of kindness. Those acts of grace that come into your life that God has placed there so that you might know. Remind yourself of these things. Time's marching on. We need to march on a little as well. But secondly, when you're preaching to your soul, don't be afraid to do this. Cry out to God in the presence. I was with someone just the other day and they've just lost their husband and um, she's on a journey of faith for herself. She was saying, you know, that when things took a real turn for the worse uh, just before Christmas. And she said, I had been praying every day. I just felt that I couldn't in the moment. I just felt utterly bereft. And she was like, I, she's mentioned something about, I don't know whether God will forgive me. And I was glad to be there with her to say, I, I, actually, I don't think there's anything to forgive. And God knows in the pain of these moments where we're at. I said to her, look, Sometimes in these moments, we don't need to worry about having a full-formed prayer or, or have all our theology in place. I said, sometimes the very best things we can pray is, God, help. Yes. And that's enough. It's enough. Truth be told, when any of us here who are believers, when we first became a Christian, that was basically the fullness of our prayer, wasn't it? We might have added some other words to it, but it pretty much was God help. And he did. You don't have to be fancy with God. Just cry out to him. And you know, if your cry sounds a little bit like it's the agonized cry of a hurting heart, he won't be offended. He knows you're hurting. Didn't we see how in the scriptures he was there? He cried out to his God, his father. And God wants you to cry out in that same way as a a child to a dad a child to a mom, a child to the one that they know they can trust to love them and care for them and be there for them. Because God is a good father. He's not a one who would ever let you down. He's not a one who would ever hurt you. He is a one who wants to welcome you and wrap you up in his loving arms. When you cry out, you don't need to be embarrassed with God. You don't need to be afraid with God. You don't need to be worried with God. My kids, if things go wrong, They don't hold back. (laughs) They tell us how it is. You know, if they have a bit of a bad dream in the night, I tell you, there's nobody in the house who's not going to know about it. They're just like, come on, somebody come and fix this. You know, my lad, uh, forgive me for this, he came to me this morning a little earlier than I would have liked, and he came to me, and his little face hove into view, and I was going to just scoop him up into the bed, and he said into my ear, Daddy, I need to do a poo. And... um, (laughs) And kids, they're not, you know, there's no airs and graces, are there? It's just like, this is how it is. And come and fix it. And, uh, and so there we were. And I stagger into the bathroom and get, well, you don't need to know any more detail, do you? Um, but it's how it is. Just be honest with God. Yeah. Cry out to him in the present. He's a dad who loves. He wants to love you. Will you let him? Will you let him? And. Um, and then we want to, to come and to, uh, and to talk a little bit about um, how God um, wants to work in these things. 
um, to cry out to God, to, to take the heaviness of our souls. You know, the Bible says that we're to, to cast our burdens onto him because he cares for us. You know, give God your cares because he cares. That's what the Bible is teaching us. Second Chronicles 32, I think you've got it on your sheet as well. There's a moment where it looked, everything just seems like it's going all wrong for the people of God. And Hezekiah the king, he's able to tell the people of God, look, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged because the king of Assyria and the vast army with him, they were afraid. They, they thought that they couldn't win. They thought it was too much. He says to them, look, here's the truth. There is a greater power that is with us than with them. What does the Bible say elsewhere? He who is in you is greater than he that is in the world, you know? This is the truth. This is the reality. We need to preach this to our souls. You don't always feel it. So preach the truth to your soul. What, what does the scripture say in Second Chronicles? With him is only the arm of flesh. It looks a pretty strong arm, but that's all it is. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. Look, this world might seem tough. It might seem like it's getting the better of you. Everything around you might seem like it's dominant. But do you know who's with you? Do you know who's with you? Does anybody want to hazard a guess? <laughs> yeah, it's Jesus. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit. God is with us. And he is for you. Do you know he doesn't want you to fail? Did you know that? I think some of you, you convinced yourself that God's just out there like putting his foot out and he's waiting for you to trip over it. Not so. God wants you to know health and wholeness, the fullness of life. This is the promise of God. Read it for yourself, John chapter 10 and verse 10. This is what God wants for you. Why so downcast, O my soul? Come on, soul. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Come on, this I call to mind, and therefore I will have hope. God's mercies, they're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I don't know how you woke up this morning. I don't know whether it was the pains of the past that were dominant in your mind. Maybe it was the trouble of the present. Maybe it was the anxiety of the future. Tomorrow doesn't need to be that way. Because you know, here's something that is substantially true for your next morning. His mercies are new there. You don't need to be anxious about it. He's promised it. He's faithful. He won't make stuff up. He has been faithful. He is faithful. He will be faithful. Look, last week we spent a bit of time and we just wanted to rest. Last week we wanted to rest our restless souls. Today I want to give us that opportunity again. We're going to rest our heavy souls in God. Can we do that? I know many of you have been courageous enough to lift your hands. I saw them, but that's not what it's about. God sees you. And so just for a moment or two, because it's about God seeing you and you seeing God. If you're comfortable to do it, why don't you close your eyes? And we're just going to rest in God. And maybe those who are leading us in worship would come again. I just want to encourage you to rest your weary soul in God. Truth is, it doesn't feel right for you to carry these weights because you're not made to carry the weight. God is made to carry the weight. All these times that we carry the weights of our past, our present, our future. 
we're fulfilling a role we were never made for. This morning, God wants to set some people free. Hey, I think God wants to set everybody free. I'll count myself in that number. Look, I want you to be really honest today with your God. And look, if you're saying to him today, look, there is a, an ongoing heaviness of my soul and I want to trust God. I need his healing. I'm going to take the Bible at its word. I'm going to preach to my soul. I'm going to take these notes away. I'm going to give this a good go. But in this moment, what we're wanting to say is it's not about so much what I'm going to do. We want to root this in God. If you're today saying, I need his healing. I want to put my hope in him. There's a heaviness in your soul. You want God to meet you here today. Whatever the cause might be, whatever it might look like, for each and every one of us, if that's you here today, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, I just would love for you to raise your hand to God and just to invite his grace into your life. You might have done it already, but just as we're praying now, you're saying, look, there is a heaviness of soul and I I need Jesus to come and help me, to heal me. Just lift up your hand to God. This is for anyone and everybody. You might be following Jesus for many years. You might just be starting out. This is for anyone and everyone. You're saying, Jesus, I need you. God, would you meet me here now? It's lovely to see hands going up around here. And I know there's so many different lives, different circumstances, but it's the same God. He's coming to you now because he loves you. Because he's for you and not against you. My prayer for each and every one of us today is we would know the God who bore the weight of the world lifting the weights from our shoulders. Christ Savior, Lord God, would you lift weights of sickness and of illness from shoulders, from bodies, hearts and minds, would you do that today? God, would you lift the weight of regret from people's lives, would you do that here today? God, would you lift the weight of hurts, things that have been said, things that have been loaded upon people here today, lift it from them, Jesus. They weren't made to carry that. That's not who they are. Lift these weights from them, we pray. Lord Jesus Christ, there are some who are wrestling, circumstances, troubles, hurts, things of today. They're just too much to bear. We thank you, God, it's not too much for you. With God, all things are possible. Jesus, we invite your release. God, we say, God, for folks, there's trouble in people's families, in their homes, with their loved ones. Jesus, would you meet them, God? Would you do what we can't? God, we feel out of our depth. Jesus, would you come to us? God, would you lift us up? Would you meet our loved ones, Lord Jesus? Would you revolutionize, transform their lives with your love? Jesus, there are some folks here today where, look, we're not sleeping just can't close our eyes without being overwhelmed anxiety worry consuming folks here today Jesus would you come Holy Spirit would you lift these burdens lift these worries lift these hurts if that's you here today just quietly in your own heart or you might want to whisper these things to God just hand them to him could you do that cast your burdens onto him Just be a little active in this. 
maybe you might want to just start to preach to your soul in this moment and say, come on soul, trust in God, trust in God, I will yet praise him. I just want to prophesy that over your lives this morning. You will yet praise the Lord. He is unchanging and he has made you for this. The things of yesterday, they can't steal this from you. The things of today can't steal this from you. And here's the truth. The things of tomorrow, they are this. You will yet praise the Lord. Whatever lies you might be believing, they are not your future. Your future is the praise of his glorious name we see God and we seek him in these things. Look, I want to offer one more prayer this morning. It may be that you're here today and you're saying some yeses to God here and it's good that you are. But I want to invite you this morning to say a really big yes to Jesus. It might be that you're here and you're saying, I don't just want Jesus to do stuff for me. Actually, I want to know what it is for God to be my God. I know there are many of us here today and and that is our reality. We know that God is our God, that he is our father. He's our savior and our friend. His love has changed us forever. And so when we come and we say, God, meet me, we're saying that to our father. But today you might be saying, well, I, I don't really know God like that, but I want to. I don't just want him to fix my life. I want him to be Lord of my life. I don't just want him to know me in this moment. I want to be with him forever. And if that's you today, and you're saying for the first time or for the first real time, I want this Jesus to be my Jesus, my God. I want to put my life in his hands to trust him, not just for one thing or one day, but for always. If that's you today, and you're saying, yes, I want Jesus for the first time or the first real time, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'd love to pray for you too. So help me, would you? Would you raise your hand as well? And if that's you and you're saying, yes, I need Jesus, I want Jesus, please, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. If there's anyone here today, I would love to pray with you. Wave at me while heads are bowed and eyes are closed and I would love to pray with you. Is there anybody? I'm gonna ask one more time. Wave at me and I'll pray that you will know Jesus. Yeah, wonderful. Good for you. I'm so pleased for you. Is there anyone else who'd like to join this man and say, yes, that's me too. I need Jesus now and forever. Okay, there's another hand. That's wonderful. Two gentlemen. I'm so pleased to pray for you. Last time. Is there anyone else? That's wonderful. God bless you. Three folks here today. Why is that a hand in the middle? Wonderful. God bless you too, my friend. Four folks. Yes, okay, good for you too. All right. Is there anybody else? I know I've said last time twice, but, uh, you know. (laughs) Anybody else like to join these folks? Okay, I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I pray for these, these wonderful, precious, beautiful people who you have brought here today because you love them, because you're for them, you're not against them. I pray, Jesus, that God, even as they've invited you to meet them in their place of particular need today, I pray, God, that they would know you in everything. I pray, Jesus, that they would know what it is to put their lives in your hands, totally and completely, to say, God, I need you. 
I need your forgiveness for my sins. I need you to wash me clean and make me new. I need to know you as my Lord, my Savior, and my friend. I want your life, Jesus, now and forever. God, would you lead them in this way? Would you do that? Lord Jesus Christ, meet them powerfully, I pray, for the glory of your great name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen. Does anybody know that God is good here today? Does anybody? We do something a little different. Can we just give God just a way of saying thank you to Jesus? Can we give him like a round of applause and just celebrate God's goodness here today? We want to celebrate his goodness. And come on, let's stand to our feet. Can we do that? We're going to enjoy God in just a moment more of praising him and worshiping him. I've said it already, but if you want to be here tonight and celebrate what God's been doing, not just here, but out there too, then we'd love to see you. But we're going to go out celebrating God's goodness. The cafe at the back is going to be available. Can I say one more thing? If you put your hand up to say, I want Jesus, I want to follow him, can I invite you? Would you take just a few moments at the end of the gathering? I'm going to be right down here. Come and meet with me. I'd love to chat with that handful of people. And I'd love to just make you welcome in the life of Christ. God bless you. Look forward to seeing you again soon. God bless you.